forward on this computer. Well, welcome back to another uh, dispatch from Holly McKay. Today, we're going to be talking about World Press Freedom Day and Holly's perspective on it as an international reporter. Good morning, Holly. Good morning. Well, first of all, what is World Press Freedom Day? Right. So World Press Freedom Day, um, it comes from the United Nations, and it's basically just sort of to give awareness um, to the role that journalists play and the pivotal role journalists play around the world um, in terms of highlighting issues and often issues that governments don't want uh, the public to know about. And also with that, it's sort of a reminder to governments about sort of this important, um, you know, part of society and, and the importance of, of having these independent, um, figures and researchers and, and things to, to highlight really crucial issues. And, and I think, um, you know, especially with the advent of the internet, which on one hand has been really great in the past few decades in terms of bringing to light these issues, but it's also, it's a double edged sword in that, it's also become a tool for for people to be shut down and censored and attacked and and so i think um you know it's a really good opportunity just to kind of have that discussion a little bit yeah well very good so uh in your travels as a um, foreign correspondent covering the world how many times uh would you say in in your travels you have run into situations where freedom of the press and its ability to cover things in particularly areas of conflict have been vitally important to what you do. I mean, I think you could say that about, you know, pretty much every country that you go to work in, you go there with the intention to, to sort of bring to light whatever issues that you can. And, and often um, ones that, that, you know, from, from that international lens. And, and you can say the same thing about work here in the United States as well. It's still, um, also about whatever that truth telling is. And there is often a lot of people that don't want to know the truth. And, and something that's always really difficult is that when you are trying to provide multiple aspects of a particular story, which journalism, that is what journalism traditionally is, although, you know, it doesn't happen that much anymore. But, but the goal of journalism, um, you know, is to, it's not necessarily, I think, to, be completely neutral but it's to give all sides a hearing and oftentimes you know you're doing something right when every side is mad at you because every side doesn't want the other side heard and every side has an argument to whatever the other side says so you know that is also one of the 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 struggles that come with this profession but at the end of the day you know being a journalist and having that sense of freedom is is being able to to, you know to access as many perspectives as possible um and i also think you know oftentimes people ask me you know what's the scariest situation what is this what is that and you know i'll say that often it's not um a terrorist group like isis that that sort of scares me the most and it's not even a a very kinetic war say something like ukraine it's it's going to places like syria like iran where you can just be arrested or apprehended at any moment and and the same thing with afghanistan too you don't know who's going to say something to somebody that it, it may be completely false against you, but you don't really have a lot of recourse in these places. Um, and it can take 10, 15 years for, for, you know, your government or whoever it is to negotiate you out. So uh, sort of going to those more, um, you know, places that, that have these very sort of dictatorial governments, um, they tend to scare me, you know, a lot more than, than, than conflict or, um, a terrorist group. Yeah, there you go. Well, 
Okay. So in the, let's, let's explore that uh, a little bit as part of expanding on this conversation. I'd like to uh, go into two areas. One, um, how often in your work do you run into that exact situation where in an effort to be fair and balanced, to tell the story in its totality, you generate a storm of hate mail or even threats at times coming at you from the point of view of having done what you think is the proper journalistic job. And um, what's that like when the storm happens? You know, I've learned to, it used to stress me out a lot, um, but I've really learned to, um, I guess, navigate it in that I turn off notifications um, on all my social media. So I'm not necessarily hearing um, the bad stuff and I'm not necessarily hearing the good stuff either. So I think that's really important thing for mental health um, as journalists to, to kind of not weigh into sort of too much commentary um, where possible. Um and, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, for an example, that, you know, something that really kind of upset me a lot last year was, um, when I was in Afghanistan and it was very just after the fall. And there was a lot of sort of controversy over whether the Pangea had fallen. Um, and there was sort of this big social media army of people was, you know, calling out the resistance and saying that, you know, that it was sort of the last holdout and the Taliban hadn't taken it and people that were sort of appealing to the U.S. for weapons. And, and you know, something didn't sit right with me. And, and my photographer, Jake, and I, you know, we were able to, with a, you know, great fix in the weeds, we were able to get smuggled into Pangea right in early September and it was very, very evident, um, A, that there really wasn't a conflict going on. Um, you know, there may have been some skirmishes in the mountains, but in terms of sort of the main uh, sort of stretch, there was, there was no damage whatsoever and, and no real sign of, of any, um, sort of military conflict. And it was very, also very evident the Taliban had full control, um, of all of those eight districts in Panjir. And then in simply trying to convey the truth of what was happening, um, you know, that, that sort of army of, of absolute just nastiness and some of the threats that I was getting were, you know, things that you would expect from ISIS. Um, you know, not the supposed, you know, supporters of, of a freedom group. So, um, it was very disturbing and that, um, upset me a lot just personally because I have so many Penjiri friends and I have spent, um, time there in the past and it's a place, it's a place that I, I deeply love and have a, a lot of respect for. So, um, that was sort of an example of, of just simply trying Trying to kind of tell the truth and, and, you know, and all sides. I was, I was also very fair in reaching out to the Panjiris and to some of the leaders of that resistance movement who actually weren't even in Afghanistan. Um, but yet I still, you know, continued to include, um, their perspectives too. And, and yet that, you know, that wasn't enough and, and people wanted their narrative and, and not, um, you know, what, what was really happening. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, continue to follow in there because this is an interesting, uh, conversation, particularly, I think, for other journalists or, or people in journalism school that may be listening to this. So the, this drive to hear your narrative spoken and cut out others, how much pressure do you feel at any given time when you're covering a controversial issue from these groups? You're in the middle of it, and clearly there are economic and political and power interests at stake um the middle of the cauldron um what's it like 
Uh, it's it can be really rough. I mean, it, you know, you're often in situations where people um, want to, um, you know, convey just sort of their way, and, and and it's hard, especially when you you become friendly with people, and that you know, oftentimes you're in the care of people, and and it becomes sort of you know, you have that certain sense of a personal or emotional attachment to to somebody, and and um, to then have to be critical, there is a sense of you that that feels like you're betraying you know somebody who was good to you but you also have to bear in mind that that person that was good to you um was sort of good to you for a reason so everything has to be you know it's important not to get too close um but to be close enough to be compassionate and it is a really delicate balance you don't want to be or at least in in my approach i don't want to be completely walled off um you know from a a war or a a conflict or a a situation um because what i do is as much as possible is really to write with that sense of empathy but at the same time you know you have to be um you have to be able to sort of compartmentalize enough um to be you know as objective as possible when you are you are looking at these situations and it is it's always you can't really um there's no formula for it and you have to take things case by case um but again it's it's about truth not neutrality i think as as christian and paul once said and and that is very true um you know, it's not about being this sort of, uh, voiceless neutral vessel. It's, it's really, um, conveying whatever that truth is. And, and certainly, um, you could look at a case, you know, where I spent a lot of time in Iraq during the ISIS reign. And, and certainly you aren't going to, um, you know, give ISIS a sense of neutrality that you would give the Yazidis who were clearly the victims. So you have to, um, to keep in mind it, it is all about giving each side a hearing, but also, um, but telling the truth into, as to what happened and who is to blame. There you go. Okay. So last question, um, again, going back to Afghanistan, there are reports this week that, uh, the journal journalism in Afghanistan, uh, has suffered greatly, particularly in the last few months, uh, with, uh, many journalists losing, basically being put out of work by, by the Taliban. Um, which is a different situation from where it was when you were last there comments um, on I saw, the evolution? Well, I, I think I saw the decline sort of happening right in the beginning. It was very strange because suddenly it was this, you know, they were incredibly open and they wanted journalists to come to their ministries and events. And, and they, you know, I think that they really believed that they could somehow sway public opinion um, by being fairly open. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, in many cases, um, you know, that didn't really happen. And, and without, you know, sort of going into too much, again, controversial detail on this, I think in some ways what a, a lot of the sort of Western reports that I was seeing, and often it wasn't from, you know, even reporters on the ground, because I think reporters on the ground had a very different perspective than those writing from, um, you know, DC or other places. But, oftentimes things were sort of twisted and taken out of um, context and proportion. And, and you know, in, in saying that, I you know, there, there were sort of reports that I was reading about people being slaughtered in the streets in, in these sort of first few weeks, and that just really wasn't the truth. And so I could see and understand um, the Taliban's frustration in that um, because these sort of reports are being circulated and, and they weren't they weren't accurate by any stretch. So I, I do understand why where some of that skepticism has come 
from. And I think, um, you know, certainly the Taliban has done some, you know, atrocious things and not letting girls go to school and people disappearing. And, you know, that, that has all sort of happened in the past few months. But, um, I think that their way, you know, I think that they, at this point, um, just kind of view all the press as enemies. They figure that they're not really going to get any positive press, um, out of the West or, or even, um, you know, within Afghanistan, Afghan journalists themselves who, you know, are tremendously courageous. Um, but I think that their approach to that is then to just to kind of, um, to block, block off sort of as much as possible. But having said that, you know, there, I have friends, um, Jake is in Afghanistan right now, my photographer who I'm doing the book with. Um, you know, I have a lot of it. I have another good friend of mine who's, who's filming a really interesting documentary right there right now so you know there are journalists there and they are working and um as far as i know being left alone by the taliban so um you know it is it is sort of a a difficult um place to work i would say and i definitely sensed um, the challenges of working there especially in my last few weeks there but um you know, it's something that we have to continue to, to have awareness of because, uh, you know, Afghan people are suffering hugely. And I think that, you know, we, we have to sort of keep holding the Taliban accountable at whatever risk that is. And I think another interesting thing that I, I see with journalism as well, which concerns me is you see a lot of journalists who are so concerned about making sure that they can access a country or continue to get a visa or whatever that may be, that it really does influence the way that they write and the way that they cover certain topics. And I think that is a real shame because, um, you know, there are certainly plenty of places I can no longer go to. And, and as disappointing as that might be at times, you have to kind of wear that with a badge of honor because if you've pissed off um, some of these, you know, uh, abusive governments, then you are doing something right. So, that is one thing I, I am concerned about is and, and anyone going into journalism, I would really strongly suggest that, um, you know, you may only ever get to go to a place once if you're lucky. And if you piss them off, then, um, you know, you're doing something right. And we shouldn't be holding back stories or, or tweaking our coverage just to to please uh, some of these dictatorships. Oh, very good. And um, what do you think of uh, first world press, you know, the distant press that writes from far, does that help or hurt field journalists that are out there? Um, again, it's, you know, I don't like to frame things with a broad brush. I think that there is, you know, that there's a lot that, that of interesting analysis and, and journalism that can come from, um, you know, being, being afar and being able to use that freehand a little bit and to, um, to get things from a different perspective. So I certainly don't want to, um, as much as I love being in the field, I certainly don't want to, um, you know, point fingers at, at journalists who aren't necessarily there because I know it's, you know, it's not always easy for people to get to certain places and it's not, um, you know, always costly. And, and I think there's still a lot of great journalism that can be done, but I also think it's important to, to really also give weight, um, to, to those that are on the ground and, and to just really the different perspective that you get from that. Um, so there are certainly cases I think where being very far away, as I mentioned with Afghanistan, um, can, you know, be a little bit detrimental. But I also think that, um, you know, it's case by case. There's also times when it's important to, um, to have journalists there and also to have journalists that are, are writing from, you know, DC or from the White House perspective or whatever that 
sort of topic might be. And, um, you know, again, domestically, we've also seen a lot of, um, you know, especially during the Trump era, we sort of saw a lot of, uh, concerns over freedom of press and, and all this sort of thing. And I, as much as I can, you know, understand to a degree, um, people's concerns on that, I also think it's really important to have a little bit of perspective in that, um, we certainly have to keep, um, our eyes on the ball and, and, you know, we're always one step away from losing those freedoms, but I certainly think, you know, compared to most countries, uh, we are very fortunate to be in the United States and, and, um, you know, we can't necessarily equate, um, you know, an attack uh, here as to, you know, what these incredibly, you know, Mexico is the place where, you know, just south of our border where most journalists are killed each year. So, um, I think it's certainly, you know, we can't necessarily equate our experiences to, um, some of these journalists listen that are just doing incredible work in in um you know places like mexico um you know unfortunately you know a lot of them have had to flee russia but there i think every now and then we see a journalist brave enough to pop up and and say what what they think about this war and they usually always suffer the consequences of that but it's really um you know people in these places just do really incredible work and and i would never want to take away from that and, you know, as a foreign journalist, we also, um, as long as we're not detained, but we have the privilege of leaving a country and, and going back to somewhere like the United States, um, where we do have, you know, a relatively strong sense of press freedom. We could argue, um, we could go down the rabbit hole and argue about social media and other things, but for the most part, you know, we get to leave and, and a lot of journalists in these places, you know, they have to stay and they have to, um, live in, you know, a constant state of, of worry and anxiety anxiety over something that they've written and there is nowhere to go. So uh, to me, it's, you know, they are the you know, very incredibly courageous people. Well, there you go. Well, um, and like you said, you know, we could dive into social media, we could dive into analysis from afar and all that kind of stuff, but that's for another time. I think what you've shared today in terms of the perspective of the, the world uh, press and and that perspective is uh, plenty of food for thought. So thank you, Holly McKay, and uh, look forward to the next conversation. Thank you, Dennis.